On today's show, Lloyd Graff and I are discussing our observations of the machining industry in 2022 and our instincts about where the industry is headed in the coming year. As used machinery dealers at Graff Pinkert, we saw trends in 2022 such as reshoring, the resurgence of old-school cam screw machines, and a growing number of machining businesses that soon may be for sale. We think these trends will accelerate in 2023, and we hope this conversation will uncover some opportunities that your business can take advantage of in the coming year. This is Swarfcast, the show that helps professionals in precision machining excel in their careers. I'm your host, Noah Graff. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. So, Dad, when you think of 2022, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I think of recovery from the pandemic. I think of change. I think of opportunity. Okay. And how did it differ from 2021? Or was it, was it pretty much just 2021, but kept escalating? I think it was a continuation of the last half of 2021 when companies and people uh, regained their confidence, decided they were in a mood to make changes, and we were in a position to help them make change. If you're if your livelihood isn't based on the stock market going up, uh, 2022 was pretty good for a lot of people. That's a good point, Noah. So why do you think 2022 was so good? Was it because people were still, uh, you know, work had just continued momentum from the pandemic? Well, that was certainly a big reason, I think. Uh, you had very low unemployment and... The Ukraine war did not seem to have a dramatic effect in our business, in the precision machining business, in, except because it helped bring about bottlenecks, and this made it difficult for people to get raw materials, It made it, and it pushed prices up. Yeah, and a little harder to get machines from abroad, etc., but not the worst thing ever. Let's go back a- another minute. Which of the machines we sold the most in 2022, and did it surprise you? Oh, absolutely. We sold, in the past two years, we sold a tremendous number of Davenport screw machines. Who would have ever predicted it? A couple years ago, we had a Davenport, a really, really nice Davenport in the 1990s, 
And just for the people who aren't familiar, if a machine is in the 90s, a screw machine, or 80s, it's late model. Basically, if I was alive while a machine was manufactured, it's a very, very modern multi-spindle screw machine. And a couple of years ago, we had a Davenport in the 90s, and it sat in our warehouse. It must have sat for two or three years. And you'd say in, in 2022, what, we sold maybe 100 Davenports? Yeah, in the year, I would say from April 2022 on to uh, now, yeah, I, I would say we probably sold 100 Davenports. And it was one big deal where we sold like 30 at a time. But still, it was a ton of these machines. We sell them for about, usually we ask about 32 grand for them. And, uh, you know, we we do a little a little refurbishing to them, but nothing, nothing too much. And uh, it's just crazy. I mean, these, these machines, just for people's reference, the Davenport machine, it's got the same design that it had 80 years ago. <laughs> it's pretty much so. It is known. Mr. Davenport uh, invented the machine in the early 1900s. And it is known as the machine that won World War II. It is a five-spindle, multi-spindle. It still is one of the fastest machines in the West. It can produce a part in one second, probably less than a second. I think one second is probably as fast as it could produce it, uh, and that's making two at a time. Okay. So they say World War II, the Germans, they had like single spindle. Uh, They were probably index machines, and we had five spindles, so we could churn out bullets five times as fast. And so they say it is the machine that won World War II. So fast forward it's over also, 80 years. It's also called the machine that makes nickels. <laughs> Why is it called that? Because people could make a nickel apart. Okay. So back to Davenports. What does this mean that the Davenport was the machine that we sold the most of? It means that the kind of work that people ran on Davenports... Uh, came back to the United States from China. Simple work. Well, not necessarily simple, but work that uh, did not demand impeccable tolerances that you might get on an index multi, mm-hmm. a CNC multi. Or a Swiss. Or... or, and did not require as rugged a machine, let's say, as a national Acme screw machine. So it was a particular kind of work that would be run on a Davenport. And therefore, people have been able to set up Davenport plants in Mexico where machinists and Davenport operators were obtainable and trainable. And in many cases, people were discovering Davenports as a possibility that uh, could make parts way faster than they were gonna make them on a Swiss machine or used to make them on a Brown and Sharp. And the quantities, all of a sudden, were Davenport quantities. So what's a Davenport quantity for people that don't have Davenport? Davenport quantity is at least maybe 20,000 pieces, I think. I think because uh, normally people can run a Davenport pretty quickly, uh, but the setup time may be a while because you're still using old school cams. Okay. So we saw Davenports just... Went crazy. We're selling Davenports to Mexico, sold a couple to China, but 
did we sell any to China or not? We did sell a couple. A couple. But we were seeing a lot of work coming back. People that had machines in China or work in China brought it back to Mexico or the United States, but maybe more Mexico probably, right? Well, what happened was, in many cases, the work came back to the United States and the American companies said, I think uh, we could put that in our Mexican plant and we'd be able to be competitive with the prices they were paying in Mexico. Is that also because Mexico has people with certain skills for running multis and maybe we don't even have those people here anymore? Yes. Yes, we've been told that you can train a Davenport operator in three months if you have a capable trainer and people who want to learn. And that's what's happening. And we also have seen some some Acme screw machines selling, some out of the country, some within the country. We've sold a few recently. Basically, the other multis have been dead. Acme's no. Wickman's, the Wickman British screw machine, which has basically been our bread and butter for... Acme's, Noah, have been dead, and the price of Acme's has absolutely plummeted. Not in every case. Eight-spindle Acme's are still in demand. Eight-spindle. Because an eight-spindle Acme is unlike, really, any other machine available on the market today. If you have somewhat complicated work that... uh, And it's large. ...is of significant quantity... Um, if it's a two-inch diameter or... or it could be smaller, could be fittings work. If you have the right quantity and you have people who know how to set it up, then an eight-spindle may be by far the best machine to run the work on. And the eight-spindle machines tend not to go to Mexico. Okay. So what sectors are you seeing the most of uh, going into 2022 or 2023? What would we see in 2022 and 2023? First thing that comes to my mind is, and still comes to my mind, is gun parts, medical parts. I asked one customer, uh, we sold him some machines maybe eight, ten months ago. This guy was involved in um, making parts for AK-47s, which I, I didn't realize they even made AK-47s in the United States. And I I said to him, as he came and he bought some Citizen K-16 machines, are people going to stop buying guns, you know, to, you know depending on politics? Or are, are they just going to buy so many and they're just not going to need any? And he says, guns are like shoes. People, people just, they, you know, they have some and then they decide they want some more. So I thought that was very interesting. And, you know, as I've talked about before, you have people who are in the, um, the shoot them up, sew them up business. And often they're going to make parts on the same machine. They'll have a, say, a citizen or, uh, yeah, they'll make both. Yes, the medical parts are certainly in demand. And that's why, uh, besides the Davenport's being very popular, uh, the Swiss CNC machines are also very popular, and the prices have gone up uh, in relationship to the new prices. And the demand is certainly out there because people are able to hire and train CNC operators who would not touch a multi-spindle. So therefore, people who are in the machining business have moved towards Swiss, and they've moved away from uh, the screw machine business, the old brown and sharp business, the uh, 
multi-spindle business in the United States. And people sometimes can't get the Swiss machine they need. You know, it might still be like a six-month lead time. So they come to us and they look for used machines. Of course, sometimes they come with unrealistic expectations. They they come and they say, I, I, I only want a 2016 machine or newer. And I go, well... <laughs> I guess maybe you'll have to get lucky because that just doesn't come along. Hey, listeners, I just wanted to remind you that you can see videos of our episodes on YouTube and other social media. So if you want to see a cool tool or part that was described in the interview, or you just want to gaze upon my beautiful face, you can go to the Today's Machining World YouTube channel. You can also link directly to the videos from the episode show notes. And now, back to the show. Lately, the prices have just been just crazy. I was quoted 32 millimeter citizen from 1999 the other day. They wanted $70,000 for it. Yeah, but they won't sell it either. Right. This was owned by an end user. Yeah, because very often we can say the end users don't know how to price their equipment. So they see some machines on the market. On eBay. Yeah, very high prices that sit around and never sell. And they think, well, I'm going to try that. I also think that they are still using it or know they're on the verge of maybe wanting to use it. So they just put a price that's so high that, oh, all right. Well, if somebody would pay that, then I couldn't resist that. Yeah, the irony is that a machine like a Brown and Sharp, in good condition, is capable of doing 80% of, let's say, what a citizen is going to do. Uh, But the problem is people, A, think Brown and Sharps are totally yesterday. Brown and Sharps are not made. In some cases, it's a little difficult to get spare parts for them, but not impossible. And it's hard to find people who can set them up. But if you happen to be somebody maybe who uh, has been trained by his father or his grandfather in setting up a Brown and Sharp, tells me that they can run much of the same work that is being run on a Citizen, a Tornos, a Star, and their capital acquisition cost is a fraction. Yeah, we had a podcast a couple of years ago uh, interviewing a guy, and he, he the, the name of the podcast was um, like running a screw machine shop like a tech company. And he had these $2,000 Brown and Sharps and was making a ton of money on them. And he said, yeah, I have one citizen. We, we never use it. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, certainly an irony of, the, of our business, and that is that uh, people think the more expensive the machine, the more exotic the machine, the more valuable it is uh, as far as making money, money. as far as making money running it. And the fact is, brains can compensate, knowledge can compensate for technical capability of a machine. As a matter of fact, I learned about a company in the last few days that is running old Swiss machines, cam machines. So they cam Swiss machines? Cam Swiss machines and making a bundle of money running aerospace parts 
because of the knowledge of the owner and the people he has trained. Would that be sort of the equivalent of running a Brown and Sharp? I mean, yeah. it's different technology, but sort of the same concept. Same concept, exactly. But th- this is a very unusual case. Why don't we um, discuss one deal we did uh, this last year that was very interesting? It was actually a company that was running Davenport's. And again, this is a company with, sure, there are many people that know how to run Davenport's, but still, it's a it's a machine that takes a certain kind of knowledge. Not everybody out there looking for a company is going to want to buy Davenport screw machines. It's just not a skill set they have, or they've labeled this a primitive uh, way of making parts. So why don't we discuss how this deal went down? Because Graf Pinkert ended up being able to broker this company. Well, that was an interesting deal. So this is a business that Graf Pinkert is getting into, which is buying and selling companies as ongoing businesses or variations of that. And and being a, a broker, in effect, and helping somebody to sell their operation. And in that particular deal, the company had been in business since 1945. They had run exclusively Davenport's. They had known Mr. Brinkman, who ran the Davenport Corporation back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And they were able to pound out a nice living for the family by running this business based on running brass and a little bit of aluminum through Davenport screw machines for a variety of clients. Mm -hmm. Well, the owners got up in age, and the key owner, who still was very active in the business and running it every day, was in his 80s. And he, as well as his family, decided that if they could sell the real estate, which happened to be extremely valuable, that it was the time to get out. Uh, you know, before they could no longer run the business and maybe something happened to the real estate market. So it turned out that this building was on 10 acres of land between Tampa and Clearwater, Florida. And it was on the highway and it was potentially a very valuable piece of land, much more valuable than the building that was on it. They decided to put it on the market and they got an awful lot of money for the property. So much money that they could not afford not to take it. Mm -hmm. So the new owner said, you have to be out by the end of the year. So the they thought that the value of these old Davenports that they were running was probably not very high, particularly the people who were not involved in the business but had a stake in it. So their thought was, just sell it for whatever you could. Because if you went to an auction with these Davenports, you'd probably get three grand a piece. That's correct. That's correct. So they called us because they saw the Graf Pinkert ads and they had seen our advertising way back in the automatic machining days. And uh, so they decided to call us. They called us and asked if we could help. And 
We said, I think we can help you. You need to give us background information. And let me ask you, do you have financials and do you have a customer list that would be available to potentially a new buyer? And they discussed it within the family uh, uh, over coffee, and they said, yes, this would be available to you. So initially, we offered to buy all of the equipment, and they would hold on to the intellectual property, the customer list, uh, and knowledge on how to run the parts. But ultimately, they came back to us and said, are you sure you don't want to buy the intellectual property also? And I said, well, let me think about it. And anyway, we ultimately did pay a significant amount of money also for the customer list and the intellectual property. So this is different from what we sometimes do, which is more of a standard business brokering, you know, where we would take, say, 5%. You know, you change the ownership, they take the equipment, they take the personnel, et cetera. This was and a that is different. Noah, that's what we did the year before. We sold a company in Chicago. It had been on the market a long time. They made good money every year, but they had one issue. They had a major issue, and that was that one customer provided 60% of their revenue. Right. Let's go back to what we were talking about, though. No, but let me just add that we ultimately sold that business uh and uh, just took a fee. So this, instead of that, we bought the equipment. And we paid an additional fee, an additional amount for the intellectual property, which included the drawings and the list of clients. Right. So it wasn't the standard brokering of the business, which would be a little more complicated. This was more machines, customer list. And then we found somebody to buy it. We did. And it turned out that their interest is much greater in the intellectual property than it is in the Davenports, although... They did take them and ship them to Mexico. They shipped about uh, 60% of them to Mexico. And the rest they kept here in the U.S. at other plants. But it did make us think that there is an awful lot of intellectual property buried in these old machining businesses. And in most cases, it'll never be realized. Because they get to a certain point and they say, the hell with it, I'm just going to liquidate this shop. Or they get tired. The workers ultimately go away because they see better opportunities elsewhere. Or maybe they just stop looking after customers and the customers get tired of the attitude of the company. Or right, but it then, could be a million different reasons. And then they auction off the equipment and it's done. And very often the real estate has more value than anything else anyway. So this is something we're getting into uh, in the coming year. We, I mean, we were getting into it in 2022. Um, but Graf Pinkert is getting more into buying and selling companies. And we're going to talk about that more in the podcast as time goes on. But um, this is one of the things that we've seen that seems significant in 2023. Baby boomers retiring, people looking to consolidate, grow, and um, 
So it seems like a very interesting opportunity for us. Another thing, Noah, is it is very hard for small businesses to acquire new customers. and Or big businesses. Easier for big businesses because other big businesses want to deal with big businesses. Uh, and they have the wherewithal to have salespeople and uh, they may use social media in uh, a way that is effective. And there are a number of reasons why small businesses, particularly owned by people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, have difficulty acquiring new customers. On the other hand, it's also difficult for small businesses being run by people in their 40s and 30s and 20s who have big ambitions, uh, but really do not know where in the world to find new customers. But they may have access to capital, and uh, they know how to run the machines, and uh, they're good organizers, and they have big ambitions. Well, what do they do? They look for possible acquisitions because they look for opportunities to acquire new customers without the effort without the long lead time, and with the intellectual property, with the knowledge of how to run the parts for these potential clients, which would take a long time to acquire. Yeah. So therefore, it makes these old businesses, these tired businesses, but these businesses that have loyal clients maybe who they've had for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. In one case, I know 50 years, the same client. And where do you find that? If you're capable of running those parts and you can buy the machinery that you need, but perhaps put it on much more advanced machinery or maybe even find sources out of the country, Mexico, Taiwan, India, who knows where. It's a fascinating opportunity, and people are waking up to it. So it's an opportunity for us to lend our knowledge, uh, in some cases, to both the sellers and the buyers. So on that note, why don't we wrap it up, and uh, hope everybody's 2023 is going really well, and um, hope people like the podcast. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. Today's